0: Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast.
1: I got something I want to talk about to you. Ah! It could help the situation It's not the generation That keep carrying out his nation
2: what I, said, I, said, I, said, I, said,
1: I Welcome to another edition of Communication Mixdown. I'm Liam Armstrong. And I'm John Langer. Today's show is titled Communicating Jordan Peterson. And on today's edition of the show, we're gonna be exploring the communication of the increasingly high-profile Jordan Peterson, a Canadian psychologist, YouTuber, author, and public speaker. Peterson's recently released self-help book, 12 Rules to Life, has topped bestseller lists and attracted a passionate, albeit mostly male, fan base. However, his highly gender-essentialist and individualistic worldview and advice he espouses has attracted heated criticism from progressives. Now, Peterson recently visited Australia for a tour of sold-out shows and high-profile Q&A appearances. So how was he received and portrayed in the media? Well, our guest today is Chris Di Pasquale, a longtime activist, writer and media spokesperson for the Campaign Against Racism and Fascism. It was the Campaign Against Racism and Fascism that organised a speak-out against Jordan Peterson's tour in Melbourne. Chris also recently spoke at a forum organised by the campaign that explored the debates surrounding Peterson. Chris, hi, how are you?
0: Oh, uh, hello. How are you going? Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure. Yes, thanks so much for being on the show, Chris. Um so we'll dive right into it. Uh so just maybe explain to our listeners um why Jordan Peterson's ideas have become so popular.
0: Um well, I think in short, I think that there is you know, the far right is kind of on the ascent uh across the world um in the you know, the political arena. Um, And so I think it's, on one level, it's unsurprising that ideas around gender essentialism, um, you know, uh, theories of dominance and and hierarchies and so on, um, that these sorts of ideas will be uh, taken up um, when you look at the fact that you've got, I mean, you don't need to look that far. You've got Trump in the White House, um, who, you know, the most most important um, kind of position um, in the world, uh, basically. Um, And this is a guy that, Um, espouses the most filthy kind of misogyny um, and racism. Um, So it's unsurprising that there would be an intellectual movement to match that. Um, And so the fact that um, Jordan Peterson's ideas, you know, you you don't have to read that far into his book, really. You can read chapter one, um, and he's already talking about the fact that, um, you know, that women crave male dominance, um that this is that hierarchies predate human existence. that's that's the whole thing about the lobsters um, is that you know it's uh, lobsters recognize that hierarchies are kind of natural and and so on, and so therefore um, you know the hierarchies uh, you know innate um, and they predate human beings. So I think it's unsurprising um that the space for these sorts of ideas would be taken up. but I think that I mean the other thing that's more specific to Jordan Peterson, I think, um, is that he does recognise that, there, that there are, there's a huge section um, of the population out there who are dissatisfied with their, with their lot in life, their place in life and so on um, and so he tries to um, appeal to that, that sense of alienation I think.
1: And why over like the past two or three years especially do you think like Peterson has moved like so quickly from the fringes of YouTube and like espousing transphobia in Canada to like the mainstream media and widespread acceptance and celebration and being on Q&A and best-selling lists? Like why do you think that's accelerated so quickly?
0: Well, I mean, I think the thing is he – I mean, some of it would have to be to do with his own – kind of, uh, you know, his characteristic kind of style, which is uh, pretty, you know, if I may use the word, like he's he's pretty bolshy, like he's pretty uh, willing to kind of um, put his opinions out there, even if they are incoherent, even if they're kind of (laughs) the internal logic of them uh, doesn't quite make sense. Um, He's willing to put them out there. So there is something to do with him as an individual that he's able to kind of market himself, I guess, and promote his brand. Um, And you know, there's a whole section of the liberal mainstream that are really willing to lap that up. I mean, you know, for example, you've got the New York Times, kind of the, uh, I guess, the bastion of, like, this kind of, you know, American brand of liberalism, in a way. Um, they have referred to him as the most important or the most influential uh, public intellectual of our time. I mean,
1: you know, so there's,
0: uh, on the one hand, there's, yeah, there's a, the mainstream kind of want, want to love him, I guess, or, or at least want to be able to want to have him around want to have this controversial figure around and so on but why has he moved from the fringes to the mainstream i mean he's done that deliberately you know the, the thing that you cited um that incident in 2016 when jordan peterson took a stand and i'd say that in um in air quotes um against um creeping um what he actually refers to as a kind of a transgender authoritarianism um where he portrayed like Basically, um, there was going to be an amendment made to the Canadian Human Rights Act uh, where uh, gender identity and expression would be included as a protected category. Um, He willfully misinterpreted this publicly as if he were going to be fined or get or breaking, he would be uh, perceived as breaking the law if he misgendered a trans person. Uh, This is not the way that the law works. Um, he also then went on to stipulate that he would be willing to go to prison um, over this law. Again, no risk of prison time. Mm. It was a, the, all of these interpret- misinterpretations, though, were part of a calculated move uh, because all around the world, particularly in Europe, um, the far right had massively taken up um, anti-gender, um, anti-trans, anti-feminist um, slogans and campaigns. Um, and so he knew what he was tapping into. Um, and so the reason, I think, the reason that he's moved from the fringes into the mainstream is because he's deliberately played um, and cultivated. Um, yeah, he's picked up particular campaigns um, that could uh, that could uh, yeah push him more into the mainstream. I think.
2: Chris, can I just come in here as well? And and uh, something that because we're a program about communication, and and one of the things that I understand about him is that he has been something of an internet phenomenon. Is that really? Pretty critical as well as some of the ideas that he's got?
0: Yes, certainly. Um, yeah, I mean, he, uh, he makes – I'm not sure if he – I've seen different figures. Um, he makes um, somewhere between – I've seen between $10,000 and $80,000 a month um, on YouTube alone. Um, so he's, he's monetized uh, this medium. Um, and he's used it to his advantage. Um, you know, it's very much within the domain of the, um, the alt right. A lot of others, you know, Ben Shapiro, Dave Rubin, all of these guys, Lauren Southern, um, all of these alt right types um, upload these videos. Um, and you, I mean, if you've seen it before, it's always it's always a thing. Like Jordan Peter, Dr. Jordan Peterson destroys feminists with facts and logic. So this is this is the way that he. Um, you know, it's the way that he, yeah, brands himself and so on. And I think it is a really important thing because um, increasingly um, far-right, um, you know, communities and so on, um, it's not to say that um, kind of the political field like or, you know, politics of the street or electoral politics are unimportant. They certainly are. But a lot more people are being introduced to these ideas, I think, through the Internet. And so Jordan Peterson has recognized this and managed to proliferate his ideas even further.
1: Um, Chris, what do you think is missing from um, mainstream discussions and analysis of Peterson in the media? Like, what do you think they fail to understand about what he represents? Uh,
0: For one thing, I think how dangerous his ideas are. Um, I think that, uh, you know, on the one hand, um, you could say that it's just another brand of conservatism, the idea that like women and men have their place, class distinctions exist, you know, meritocracies and so on. But I think Jordan Peterson's thing, uh, his ideas go deeper than just uh, um, standing conservatism, um, and I think that is particularly um, in his anti-leftism, and I think that's where you can locate that. Um, in his worldview, there is a conspiracy, and it sounds like I'm making it up, but I'm not. Um, he, there is a conspiracy of what he calls postmodern neo-Marxists, who basically run the world as some sort of cabal this tracks very closely uh, with the way that fascists view the world Mm -hmm. and the far-right views the world. Um, So it's not to say that he is an an out-and-out, full-blown fascist, but I think the thing that the mainstream misses is just how much his ideas open up the space for fascist ideas, how much of um, his audience and alt-right audiences overlap, and just how much his ideas not only kind of perpetrate run-of-the-mill conservatism, but actually help bolster some of the more dangerous and toxic far-right ideas out there.
1: Well, um, the mainstream media does, however, often heavily criticise groups like the Campaign Against Racism and Fascism for protesting figures like Peterson, saying instead that you should just leave him alone. Um, But why do you think the um, group believed it was important to, for example, host a forum and a speak-out in opposition to Peterson?
0: Well, for one thing, what we started with, the fact that he's so mainstream, like, I think it is an absolute travesty that up to, I think it's up to 10,000 people in Melbourne alone uh, paid hundreds of dollars to go and see this guy. Um, it is totally normalized. This guy had his 12 Rules for Life, his most recent book, was at the top of not just like bestseller, but like bestseller list of, you know, you know liberal inner city bookshops. Had his thing at the as had his book um, at the top of their bestseller list. So the fact that this guy is so normalised, I think, needs to be challenged. Um, and so the thing, the thing that people, you know, the media criticise us for is the idea that you know we're denying him free speech, we're denying him a platform. Again, like I say, this guy has the, one of the largest platforms in the world. Ten thousand people in the city of Melbourne alone went to see this guy. He has a YouTube channel that has wide reach. He appeared on Q and A. These are the sorts of platforms that are utterly denied um, to, you know, people, um, for example, activists in um, campaign against racism and fascism and other, you know, sections of the left and so on. So um, I think it is important to, that whenever the, that, that we attempt to challenge as much as we can the normalisation of these sorts of ideas, but also on our side, the importance of um, challenging these, these ideas is trying to find all those people who think that there's something a bit fishy or a bit wrong with his ideas and try to bring those people, um, you know, to take part in, um, you know, taking on these sorts of ideas in a more ongoing way, um, and get involved with the campaign. Because I think that's something that's, um, you know, sorely missing in politics generally.
1: Um, well, speaking of normalisation of Peterson, what did you think of his appearance on Q and
0: um, I thought that he did. I thought that he did what he always does, which is he's incredibly evasive. Um, I think you know, he, he doesn't answer questions. I think he, he performed in a way that he always performed. Um, but I think it was good that there were people in the audience. Um, I think it was good there were people on the panel uh, who attempted to articulate um, a left-wing uh, kind of response and a principled left-wing response uh, to the sorts of things that he brought up.
1: And what did you think of the decision by the ABC to give a platform during the show to alt-right poster boy Milo Yiannopoulos, who was able to pose a question to Peterson?
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty shocking. Like, you know, I'm not, I mean, personally, I'm not, I don't come from the no-platform school of um, anti-fascism. But nonetheless, you have to say, like, this, like, the fact that Milo Yiannopoulos, who is utterly discredited, um, even within his own ranks, um, gets to be able to pose a question and not just pose a question, but articulate um, a set of ideas, Um, uh, you know, alt-right ideas in that, I think shows you that, like, eh, there's a pretense of balance going on there, but there's no balance. Basically, it is just, an like, yeah, um, they're far more fascinated about generating controversy by having these online uh, alt-right speakers there um, than... I mean, you know, I, I have a very well, I should disclaimer I have a very poor opinion of Q&A um already <laughs> like and I have for, for a very long time so Chris um, you're not the
2: only one <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah.
1: Um, So, yeah, well, why is it, though, do you think that even the public broadcaster, but definitely, like, a lot of stations such as Sky have done far worse things with, like, for example, giving a platform to Blair Cottrell? Like, the ABC are now, like, advertising their clips of Peterson as Peterson destroys Q&A, like, using the language of the alt-right. Like, why is it, do you think, that all of the media institutions seem to be, in Australia at least, and um, in fact, across the Western world so keen to give a platform to the far right?
0: I mean, it's, uh, who knows? I mean, my, my guess would just be that it is, it's the thing that sells. It's the thing that gets clicks. It's the thing that, um, can generate controversy and get people watching their shows, I guess. I mean, that would be, I mean, the most immediate, I think, um, kind of answer to that. But I think that the the broader thing is that like, it's, you know, these liberal institutions like the ABC and so on, I mean, they're painted as these bastions of communism and, Bolshevism and so on, it couldn't be further from that. They, they, there's nothing principally left wing about these institutions. Um, and so, you know, the fact that, I mean, yeah, the fact that they would have someone like Jordan Peterson and then market their episode in the style of Jordan Peterson's own, you know, YouTube channel and episodes, I mean, it, it speaks to um, what their priorities are, I think.
1: Well, what was the response then to the opposition to the forum and the speak-out organised by CAF? Do you think, like, public opinion was shifted a little bit?
0: I mean, I'm not sure. Um, I, you know, I think that we did a lot of work, for example, um, in the campaign um, to argue to, you know, the people around us and to convince the people around us why it was important to have this speak out. And so I think that we did manage to convene at least people who were sympathetic with our project but might have been unsure about protesting Jordan Peterson um, why that is. I mean, I think that, the, you know, in a way, it's not so much the Peterson thing that would win the public debate. It's other things, like, for example, um, the fact that, you know, neo-Nazis um, managed to rally in St Kilda uh, earlier this year. The fact that, as you mentioned before, Liam, uh, Sky News featured Blair Cottrell, a known fascist, Um, on their program. Um, So it's other things like that which I think much more are pushing um, the public opinion from a position of um, what a few years ago might have been kind of reluctance or hesitancy around um, anti-fascism and militant anti-fascist politics to now actually seeing that there is a point um, to pushing back against this stuff when it happens because, you know, look what happens when we don't.
1: Absolutely. Um, Was there anything else you'd like to let our listeners know, Chris?
0: Uh, No, that's all. Um, Yeah, uh, thanks for having me.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. Much appreciated.
0: Cheers, thanks.
1: Bye. Ah, Well, that was Christy Pasquale, the media spokesperson for the campaign against racism and fascism, discussing the rise of Jordan Peterson.
0: Celebrate International
1: Women's Day with 3CR. On Friday the 8th of March, we'll bring you 24
0: hours of non-stop radio by, for and about women. Join 3CR's fabulous women and genderqueer broadcasters as we talk with talented Melbourne musicians, songwriters, storytellers and activists making a difference. Featuring a special live broadcast from the 2019 International Women's Day Rally at the State Library between 5.30 and 6.30pm.
2: For the full day's program... Visit our website at 3cr.org.au.
1: International Women's Day 24-hour broadcast, Friday the 8th of March
0: 2019. Tune in at 8.55am, 3CR digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au.
2: This is Communication Mixdown, and we're talking about Jordan Peterson and the title of our show this week is Communicating Jordan Peterson. Why do we call it? Why would be safe th- something like that? Well, to me, it seems that Jordan Peterson is not just a person. He, he or that is a particular kind of discourse, a particular style, if you like, a particular way of circulating ideas. And it seems to me that one of the things about Jordan Peterson as a subject it cuts across a whole range of cultural and media forms and texts. Now the cultural warriors of the right have picked him up but also a lot of heavy hitters in the academy in various commentary environments have also discussed Good Jordan Peterson and I put the uh, inverted commas around his name because it's not the person but I think it's the discourse that we're actually talking about. The way he his ideas have been shaped one of the things that our guest was talking about was the fact that um he's very elusive and in fact i i picked out something from the internet and uh this is from uh Paul Thargard and he's a Canadian philosopher and cognitive scientist and he's he's actually taken quite an exception to some of the things that Peterson has written about in his books and some of the ideas that he has and one of the things that he says at the very end of his article is and this is what Chris was actually talking about is peterson 's elusive style makes critiquing him like trying to nail jelly to a cloud. I thought that was a rather interesting way of it, of, of describing it and he, he's, he goes on to say that uh, if you 're interested in uh, the Meaning of Life, if you go uh, talk about Christian mythology and your narrow-minded idea, individualism, obscure metaphysics and existential angst, then Jordan Peterson is the philosopher for you. But if you prefer evidence and reason, look elsewhere. And I guess that's in some ways what a lot of people are, are trying to argue. And the other thing that's interesting about... Uh, Paul Thargaard's um, analysis, he starts off this, and this again a very interesting paragraph, he starts off by saying, Jordan Peterson's Twelve Rules for Life, which is the, on the bestseller list, as Liam pointed out, despite the commonplace nature of his rules, which boil down to Stand up for yourself. Take care of yourself. Make friends. Don't compare yourself to others. Mind your children. Set your house in order. Pursue meaning. Tell the truth. Tell. Listen to people. Be precise. Give children freedom and enjoy pets. So all of that is, if you like, Peterson's philosophy boiled down to it to its essence. And and um, I think that probably sums up some of the, some of the ideas there.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I think. One of the most interesting things is that Jordan Peterson seems to be one of those classic, like, warriors of, like, the culture wars saying, oh, I'm all about debate and free speech. But actually, like, he's been involved in activities like um, assembling dossiers and lists of, like, left-wing academics who were part of, like, the cultural Marxist conspiracy. Um, He's, yeah, like always said that he's open to debate but it seems like any attempt to debate him has fallen on deaf ears like at Q&A like one of the guests asked him well what do your 12 rules like what sort of guidance do they give us for dealing with collective issues that are beyond the individual's control, such as climate change or the housing affordability crisis? And he had no answer for that. He just said, oh, no, it's all about the individual. So it's, yeah, as you said, it's quite interesting how so much of it is about the the discourse that he actually represents. Like to me, like through all the discussions I've listened to, it seems that like when you boil it down, like Jordan Peterson just represents like unfettered individualism is what seems to be the main message mm. that he's pushing through in society and the natural order. The the thing about the uh the,
2: the Jordan Peterson discourse, if you like, and one of the things that I think reveals this is if you do actually go onto the internet, you'll find endless numbers of commentaries. And here's another one that I I picked up uh, from uh, someone who was interviewing Kate Mann. She's a professor of philosophy at Cornell University. And one of the things that Kate Mann points out is his view of social hierarchy. He essentially feels that hierarchies are natural yeah. and not constructed, and somehow, therefore... They are desirable.
1: Yeah, he uses the lobster metaphor. (laughs) Now,
2: we've mentioned this is the second time the lobster metaphor has been mentioned. You better explain this to us.
1: I'm not even sure I fully understand myself. I just know that he just always, like, refers to lobsters. Like, I think it's, like, one of those classic, like, um... References to like the, the the natural order So like the male lobsters have their role And the female lobsters have their role But it's like quite a few critics like point out Actually there are like transgendered And like um, hermaphroditic lobsters and stuff like that So it's just yeah like more bizarre Peterson speak For why the natural order is the way it is Like we just have to look at nature and see that No like everything is just as... with. Is reflected in the animal kingdom as it is in the human world
2: Yes, I think that's a very dubious <laughs> yeah. And and I recall my uh, I don't know if you did it yourself, Liam At first year psychology And the uh, experiments Endless, endless experiments They told us about rats running around yeah. And getting rewarded And I could never work out what what the relationship for, Of a rat pressing a bar And getting a reward was To human behaviour and thinking yeah. I always found that rather puzzling um, now, the other thing, I, I, okay, I think also we're, we're, we're coming up close to the end, but one of the things that was also interesting in the in the, a piece that I pulled from Paul Thargard, um, he talks about Peterson's three categories, of metaphysical categories, being, order, and chaos. And one of the things that he points out is that order, the notion of order, that if we don't have order, we slip into chaos. But he's gendered these categories. He basically says that without... Without any kind of justification, order is symbolically masculine, while chaos is feminine. Uh, that is not just problematic; it's deeply troubling as well. I, I think this is deeply troubling, and uh, so
1: essentially, that's why Peterson is so concerning because he's just pushing a very deeply bigoted worldview. Mm, like mm. he's saying, men have their roles, women have theirs, and there's no yeah. There's no no. Compromises. Did you want to, before we go to a song, tell our readers what the ten rules were? Uh, that, um, were boiled down to.
2: Well, the ten rules. I as the twelve I, I, rules. I, the sorry. twelve rules. I, I I just pointed them out. There include <laughs> things like taking care of yourself, making <laughs> friends, compare don't compare yourself to others, mind your children, set your house in order, pursue meaning, tell the truth, listen to people, be precise, give children freedom and joy, pets. So there you have it. Not
1: bad advice, but it's the discourse (laughs) surrounding them that is concerning. (laughs) Very much
2: so. So, look, this has been Communication Mixdown, and uh, I'm John Langer.
1: And I'm Liam Armstrong.
2: And we will be back next week with another episode.